0: You know, the biggest thing for me at the end of the day, and I've always said this, if I could never horse show again, I would be fine with it because I do this because I love the horses. Like, I think the sport is a great part of it. Mm -hmm. But if all I could do was ride at home every day and make horses better and have that relationship with them, like, I would be so happy doing that. And I think that they know that, if that makes sense. Um, Like, I spend a lot of time back in the barn. Um, I've always been very hands-on, especially after grooming, And I think that having that sort of personal relationship with them means that when I ask for things from them in the ring, they're willing to give me that little bit extra. Mm -hmm. You know, I think at the end of the day, it should be a partnership more than anything else.
1: Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with top show jumper Mavis Spencer. I caught up with Mavis at the 2022 Devon Horse Show and Country Fair, where she competed in the $250,000 Sapphire Grand Prix of Devon, among many other top jumper classes. It's first year back since a hiatus due to COVID 19, the Devon showgrounds were buzzing with excitement, as was Mavis because it was her first time showing at Devon herself. Based out of California, Mavis doesn't make it to the East Coast often but she found her way to Pennsylvania after qualifying for the Grand Prix of Devon. During our conversation, you'll hear the goings-on of the Devon Horse Show in the background while Mavis tells a story of how she became interested in horses and how she thinks the close relationships with her mounts contributes to her success. Mavis also explains how she handles show nerves and how she's often starstruck when she's competing against athletes like McLean Ward Eric Neve and her former employer, Kent Farrington. Before we dive into the podcast with Mavis, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Bymida, and share their message. Bymeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bymeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when their Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan, a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid, and confidence pheromone gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit bimedaus.com to see where to buy. Now, enjoy the episode with Mavis. So, first of all, I just want to know what brought you here to Devon from the West Coast? Are you here just for this, or were you here already in um, the area?
0: We came out for the two weeks of Kentucky Spring last year. Um, okay. I brought four horses. I work for Georgie Mastery Sigismund um, at White Thorne, which is out in uh, Somas, California. Mm-hmm. So, I came out last year um, and did the two weeks with a couple myself, and then... She came out and saw it and really loved it. Um, You know, we haven't spent a ton of time back east, so Mm -hmm. this year we ended up coming out with a couple of clients, and the girls were all going to do Devon in the actation, so it sort of worked out, um, you know, hopefully that I'd be able to get into the four star and compete here this week. And luckily I was able to do oh, that. that, so we've um this is sort of the end of our Back East tour for now. We'll go home on Sunday for a couple weeks and then come back out for Traverse City
1: in July. And this is your first time at Devon, right?
0: Yeah, I actually came out my very first time was in 2009, right when I first started working for Kent Farrington. Okay. Um, I came out for the night just to watch him show in this class actually, mm-hmm. and then we ended up going back. So I didn't really get to experience it um, or spend that much time here, so I would say this is yeah, basically feels like my first time being here, um, and it's an incredible show, you know, it's really nice having the crowd back. Obviously, it hasn't run for a couple of years, um, and just the atmosphere and environment is amazing, uh, so it's definitely been really great.
1: And I was going to say, so that was that your first time in the Dixon Oval riding yesterday?
0: Uh, Tuesday night, actually, Tuesday? was my first one, okay. yeah, but, you know, I think... It's just so special. There are so many people here, um, a lot of locals who don't necessarily know a lot about this fort, um, a lot of people who do, uh, the, you know, the fair is great. I've sort of wandered around there during the day since we have classes at night. Um, and it's just a really great experience, Um, even seeing all the different breeds that are here and sort of different competitions and that sort of thing. Uh, I love that, so it's been really fun. Yeah,
1: it's so interesting. I mean, I've never seen half of the different classes that are going on here. It's so crazy, it's It's so cool. It's
0: amazing to see how versatile horses can be, you know. And Um,
1: how many different like disciplines there are that all these people are competing that I really probably didn't know about before. Yeah, or like didn't consider,
0: didn't think about, definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I just want to get to know a little bit of your background from you're from Los Angeles, right? The LA area. So how did you get into riding? Can you tell us that story? Um, I guess it's a little bit of like a cliche
0: sounding story because I don't have, my aunt is a big horse person. Um, she had Gallup Bay when he retired to her farm in Massachusetts. So he was actually the first horse I rode. She put me on him when I was like two in her courtyard and led me around, which in hindsight, putting, you know, a toddler on like a breeding stallion was maybe not the best choice, (laughs) but she's an incredible horsewoman. Um, but I think it was just something I always had affinity for. Like, I would make my parents stop when we were driving and there were horses in the field um, on road trips and it was my first word um, and that sort of thing. So
1: (laughs) Horse was your first word?
0: Horse was my first word. Oh, I love that. Um, So, I again i don't really know sort of what really got me into it but uh, my parents told me i couldn't start taking lessons till i was five and i remember running into their bedroom on my fifth birthday and just being so excited because we were going to go and try a bunch of different stables sort of in the la area um, and see if i could find you know somewhere to start taking lessons
1: so would you say your mom probably contributed the most to starting your interest in horses then yeah I think so
0: you know she was always such a big and still is such a big supporter um mm-hmm. when I was growing up she was able to come to a lot of horse shows and you know she'd run back to the barn and grab six different Martin martingales we need a martingale because she didn't necessarily <laughs> know which one we needed you know yeah. um but she was always super hands-on very supportive my dad also uh, I think it gives him a little bit more anxiety Uh, Watching, But once I started doing the jumpers, he really started getting into it. I think I was, like, 12, and he would come with his, like, capture the football team and, like, you know, start rooting (laughs) at the side of the ring like it was, like, some big sporting event. So it's definitely been, you know, sort of a family thing, which is really nice.
1: Um, And what has kept you involved in the sport for so long?
0: I don't think I ever thought I was going to do anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny, you know, when you're in, like, kindergarten, sort of around that age, and people ask what you want to be when you grow up. Some kids say they want to be a firefighter, or, you know, they want to be a superhero, and I always, like, I want to ride horses, and they all give you that same sort of look of being like, oh, that's so nice, and it's a little, like, condescending, like, you're doing great, you know, like, follow your dream sort of thing, Um, but... I played a lot of different sports actually throughout you know middle school and high school. Um, I played tennis on the junior tour. I played basketball up until the point where I started getting recruited, and I really needed to focus on mm-hmm. sort of one sport. Yeah. Um, and it never really was a question for me that I was going to you know try and ride full time and just do whatever I needed to do to be around horses.
1: Yeah. And who do you think has been a big mentor to you over the years?
0: Oh God. Um, honestly I rode with Meadow Grove growing up, which is a, a really, you know, big, wonderful barn in LA. And Dick Carvin, Susie Schroer, um, Nina Herrera also when I first started with them, Francie Stein with El Carvin. They were I mean, the biggest part of my journey, I think at that age, when I started with them, I was 10, um, Mm -hmm. and it was my first time sort of being in a bigger barn like that, and they really gave me such a solid foundation. You know, they made sure that we all were horsemen before anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are people that, you know, being back in California now, I still see them all the time at shows. If I ever needed anything throughout the years, I could call them. You know, they were the ones that set me up with heritage for a working student, like, sort of situation, and then same thing, starting to work for Kent. Um, and I think that they're, you know, always going to be in my lives and they've always been super supportive of all of our careers from the kids that um, You know rode there growing up and we all actually for the most part ride professionally now, which yeah. I think is pretty amazing mm-hmm. um, And we're all still super close so I think they just created this like unbelievable environment that now being older and looking back it, I have like I'm so appreciative of everything that they taught me gave to me, you know And helped me develop.
1: What's it like now competing against Ken? (laughs) So I, God, I'm trying to think
0: if I have actually competed against him or Uh, yeah, I guess I have in Wellington and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's funny, you know, like I was second today in the ranking class to McLean and I kind of was just like, I've been buzzing about it all day, you know, because all of these people, even though I, like, worked for Kent for a couple of years and Derek Kenny and people like Lorenzo DeLuca and just being around McLean and that sort of thing, I still get that little bit of, like, starstruck where I was walking the course the other night and he was in front of me and I was like, he's like, go, and I was like, no, no, you go first. And, like, I of stood there and was, like, twiddling my thumbs, you know, so it's just, it's very surreal, I think, you know, even being around them because I think for me I learned so much like even when I was grooming for the number of years like being Mm -hmm. on the ground being in the warm up being around it um, you know McLean's team Kent's team they have so many people and different moving parts um, and to be able to learn from that and now to be able to like compete against them and like feel like I'm sort of getting closer to that like level you know is it's like a little mind-blowing yeah so, like, I you're sitting imagine. There and, like pinching myself you know or like he's walking up to the ribbon and i'm behind him and aaron bale's behind me and i'm just like oh my god this I is amazing you know? I, so it's really cool
1: watching um people like my age be up in the ranks with those riders i look at them and i'm like they must be Absolutely like pinching themselves. Like, if I was them and like looking around and being like, How am I surrounded by these people? Like, in the prize (laughs)
0: getting walking around and Georgie's standing there on the rail taking pictures. I'm like, Oh my god! And then like turning back around and trying to act like this isn't the biggest deal of me riding (laughs) cars anymore. But yeah, no, it's definitely, it's amazing. And I think it's something that I don't really see myself getting over just because to me, you know, they're the riders that you grew up watching and learning from and having so much respect for and like idolizing, which like, sounds silly, but I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, absolutely. It's really cool.
1: And you touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, What do you think is your most, um, like your biggest accomplishment so far? I think you mentioned when you were in the ring with McLean. I was going (laughs) to say, yeah, this morning was
0: pretty surreal. Um, I had, I was up in Sacramento jumping at the World Cup there a couple years ago. And I won the National Grand Prix ahead of Eric Neve, who's another one of, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I just think he's incredible oh, yeah. and such an unbelievable horseman. Um, and I went in and laid down around, and he was going in after me, and he just sort of gave me this look. <laughs> and I was, like, you know, so excited that I had done it, and he went in, and he... Was slower than I was, it was like a fraction, you know. But he came out and he just looked at me and was like, I don't know how you did that. And I literally was like, I don't even care if I win this class, it just meant so much, you know. And then, same thing again, we were sort of riding around in the prize giving, and he was asking about my horse and you know, saying how well I had ridden and how it was, you know, this, that, and the other. And I just was like, couldn't stop grinning. I drove home from that horse show that night and was just like, (laughs) So, you know revved up on it sort of thing um and now it's nice because I see him obviously he's out in California so whenever I see him at shows he sort of keeps up with my horses and we chat and I think that to me uh, other than today today was really great but that to me stood out as like mm-hmm. a moment that I will never forget yeah um, just because I think you know again he's so amazing and he's so accurate and so precise and so disciplined and all that sort of have him sort of compliment what I had done and then sort yeah. of carry on that relationship with him through the years was like is very special.
1: That's something you carry with you. Yeah 100 <laughs> every time I see
0: him I'm still there like Hi, you? yeah right <laughs> so
1: yeah and like he said I mean you ride so beautifully you ride so well and I've noticed just like seeing pictures of you and watching you ride um you actually kind of almost have like a classical equitation position like your leg is always so beautiful um so where does that come from what what part of your training um, just You know, not all jumpers have that like picture-perfect equitation position, and you nail it. Like,
0: it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I think, um, you know, honestly, being with Dick and Susie for so many years, I did do a lot of equitation growing up, um, <laughs> because I think, again, you know, it's sort of the basis of sport in America. I think it's a really yeah. great stepping-stone division for kids to have to be that accurate, think about their position. I think that you can influence so much about the horse with how you use your body or don't use it, in a sense. Um, and I've also been really fortunate. You know, I grew up riding a lot of sales horses for people and catch rides sort of thing. So I think being able to get as much ring time as I did doing that mm-hmm. really helped me, like, you know, build up my skill set, if yeah. you will. Um, it wasn't like I just had one horse and I was going on for one lesson a day. Yeah. Like, I was a working student for most of the years. So I would get to ride, you know, 8 to 12 horses a day and yeah. get lessons. And when I would go to the shows, I would be showing... Again, this was a, sort of a different time, you know, but I'd have eight to ten horses I was showing each week for different people. Yes. Um, and I think just being able to, like, put that time in and really work on it and have, again, trainers like Dick and Susie around who were constantly, not necessarily harping, but being like, you know, put your heel down further, you need to sit yeah. back more, like, watching you in that sense, um, I think is, you know, very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... That's probably a big part of yeah.
1: it. Yeah, yeah. And what is it about the jumpers that you just love so much? you just, you've stuck to it. You're good at it.
0: I, you know, it's funny. I did my first Hunter Derby a couple months ago out in Thermal. I think I saw you. I was
1: terrified.
0: <laughs> like, I did the high performance the day before. My Wednesday classes got canceled because it was too windy. Mm-hmm. And so I did two high performance on Thursday and the Derby on Friday. And it was such a, I mean, I think it's an experience everyone should have because it makes you think so much about, your pace, your balance, your control, where you're placing the horses. It all has to be so seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want them to jump well out of this, like, lovely loping canner sort of thing. And I, having done the jumpers for so many years, i am a little bit, you know, for as good as my position is, I'm used to, in that moment, being able to do whatever it is to sort of get something done and not necessarily have to think about what it looks like. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I transitioned over to the jumpers. I think I got my first children's jumper when I was 11. And... Honestly, a big part of it was my dad was so into it because he thought the hunter's notation was like watching paint dry. <laughs> so he would always come out to the shows and watch me when I did those classes because he loved the speed. He loved that it was, you know, not super political. Um, as far as that went, it was basically like you in the ring and you yeah. had to leave all the jumps up and go as fast as you could, you yeah. know. So for him, it was easy to understand where I won. And I think that that definitely was something as a kid that I gravitated towards, yeah. you know. Um, but even now, like... I love doing the young horses. I like seeing them develop up. Like, I've had... um, Georgie is the first job sort of where I don't have to sell the horses that I have. Like, Mm -hmm. it's sort of my group of horses that we're building up, which is amazing. Um, But I always liked, you know, when one would be to a point where it would get sold and watching it go on with the new rider and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just... For me, it's a lot less stressful than having to do something like The right. Hunters, you know, right. because you have that little bit of margin to be able to do something if you need to to fix it. Yeah. Um, where I suppose people would say in The Hunters, you know, you should have already done it. And I guess don't the jumpers is the same, but at least I don't feel bad if I have to like chop one more stride <laughs> in it at the last minute. And you're you know? not, penalized not penalized for it. For yeah, it. exactly.
1: Yeah, so. Um, And what about when you are showing? Do you ever get nervous? And if you do, how do you handle your nerves?
0: I'm the worst. I've gotten a lot better, actually, I would say, in the past probably six months. Um, But I used to, like, not be able to breathe when I was going around. I'd come out and be, like, gasping for air. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to not think. I just would, like, sort of shut off. My, like, Dick and Susie would be talking to me at the back gate, and I'd just have this, like, blank expression on my face and they'd kind of snap and be like are you paying attention and i'd just look at them and look like a deer in the headlights i know that you know? feeling <laughs> and uh same thing like my first couple my first actually left saturday night i ever did i hospitalized myself on friday because i fainted i like hadn't been eating hadn't been drinking enough it was like really hot in florida i was running around all day and it was like five o'clock on friday and i was finishing up in quarantine and i like passed out in the bathroom hit my head on the sink like end up in the hospital. <laughs> and the next day i came in and he was like you look really pale are you okay and i was like yeah no i'm fine but like i couldn't really speak to anybody all day i was like in this just like horrible you know so in my head about it and then i went in and jumped clear which was like i think the nice thing is for how nervous i would get it always translated over into me not wanting to you know let the horses down embarrass the people that i knew believed in me and were there to support me sort of thing so it always the more nervous I was, the better I tend to ride. Yeah. But fortunately, now I've sort of gotten to a place where I figured out like a routine for myself. You mm-hmm. know, I tend to a couple thirty minutes before the class or so, I'll sort of take some time for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to watch videos that I know of rounds that went well on the horse that I'm going to be riding as sort of like a refresher or a reminder. Um, you know, I think everyone has different ways they've learned to cope with it, but. A lot of people used to tell me that it gets easier the more you do it, and I, for years, was like, there's no chance, because I was still getting so nervous, and now, I think because I have a group of horses I know so well, and Georgie is so wonderful and supportive, I've finally sort of settled into my anxiety, yeah. if you yes. will.
1: <laughs> and when a class, I mean, th- this whole sport is so unpredictable, you know, classes don't always go as we planned, so how do you deal with something like that? If you didn't do as well, or if something happens in the ring... Uh, how do you work past
0: something like that um well Georgie will tell you I'm very hard on myself I'm the first one that comes out and is like you know always blames myself for something I could have done differently or better um and you know she's the first one again to give me a healthy dose of perspective which is nice um normally I give myself like 15-20 minutes to sort of stew if you will and like be in my head and then I've sort of started getting myself out of it quicker and quicker um but I think the biggest thing is remembering that there's always another horse show there's always another class you know at the end of the day if you come away and you're okay and the horse is okay you know there are so many ways that you can sort of fix things if they do come up Mm -hmm. um but I think that's the biggest thing is you know remembering there's always another class that you can go do and that we're incredibly lucky to be able to do this in the first place yeah. so again i think perspective is always is key in those situations when i first came out of the ring as a junior i was always so nervous and because i didn't breathe they would let me sort of trot a couple of laps and cool down and like catch my breath and then we would come talk about it but i've definitely gotten I went through a phase of like getting worse about my stewing, and now I think I'm getting better about it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's good, good for doors. you. She's always like, don't do that, you're doing great, it was just a da da da, and
1: I'm like, ah, yeah,
0: you know, I but she gives me a little shake, and it's, it's good having that, so.
1: So when you're back on the West Coast at home and um, you're training your horses, mm-hmm. can you talk about some exercises that you like to do with them to keep them fit and keep them agile and fresh for when you do go off to shows? Yeah, so we try and take normally two or three big
0: bait breaks throughout the year Mm -hmm. um, where they sort of get to let down. They'll just turn out for a couple of days, even if not maybe a week or two sort of thing, depending on our length of time between Mm -hmm. shows. Um, But we're really lucky. We have two different arenas, jumping arenas, Mm -hmm. and then we have a grass field with a track around it. So normally after the shows... Um, I like to take them out and keep them out of the arenas as much as possible. I'll go ride on the field, around the track, um, just sort of things to keep their wind and their fitness up. Um, We don't normally jump a lot at home because, again, normally when we're showing so much, it kind of, the home time is like the recovery period. Um, But we do a lot of, like, pole and cavaletti work. Um, We'll set grids in one of the arenas, uh, you know, depending on what certain ones need to work on sort of thing. But it's nice... have you know the ability to sort of train in that respect where like one ring maybe has a jumper course one Mm -hmm. ring has an equitation course like i'll go jump around we have a lot of walls and flowers and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so it's nice to let them see sort of different kinds of jumps um and just honestly try and keep them fresh and enjoying it you know i think it's very easy to sort of go around and around in the same arena every day and again i understand that's something that some people you know, that's their circumstance sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. for me, I think it's really important to try and not do the same thing every day and keep it so that they're, you know, once you get on, they're like excited to see what you're gonna have them do today. Yeah.
1: Do you have a favorite exercise that you like to practice at home?
0: There's a lot you can do, you know, with poles, with Mm cabalettis, doing, you know, sort of S lines where you do 6 and 7, 6 and 8, 8 and 6, 5 and 5, and sort of work yeah. on track and pace and that sort of thing, and I think that you can do that and keep your eye fresh and keep them thinking and work on their adjustability and stuff without putting the miles on having to jump them, mm-hmm. um, so I would say I sort of do more of that at home than anything else, like it's rare that we jump around a course bigger than a meter 30 at yeah. home. Um, And same thing with my young ones, you know, it's more about, I think so much of it is flat work based Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can go for a week or two and sort of work on the basics and that sort of thing. And then you throw a course in front of her and she's like ready to go, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's kind of how we, how we do it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And a couple, just a few more questions to wrap up. Um, And I ask this to a lot of riders I talk to and I get all different answers, but um, why do you think that you have been so successful as a rider?
0: oh geez yeah i get that reaction Um, a lot (laughs) i think you know the biggest thing for me at the end of the day and i've always said this if i could never horse show again i would be fine with it because i do this because i love the horses like i think the sport is a great part of it Mm -hmm. but if all i could do was ride at home every day and make horses better and have that relationship with them like i would be so happy doing that and i think that they know that, if that makes sense. Um, Like, I spend a lot of time back in the barn. Um, I've always been very hands-on, especially after grooming. And I think that having that sort of personal relationship with them means that when I ask for things from them in the ring, they're willing to give me that little bit extra. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day, it should be a partnership more than anything else. Like, I could never imagine making them do something or forcing them into it, which is something that Georgie and I also have the same sort of viewpoint on. You know, I think it's a... Uh, you know, a companionship, a partnership, that sort of thing. So I think that, you know, I walk into the barn and they all know and, like, in the morning they all nicker and that sort of thing. And I don't it's yeah. just like I give them a lot of cookies, but <laughs> um, it's nice, you know, for me it's about the relationship with them as opposed yeah. to being super competitive all the time. The
1: and then what do you think is the hardest part of the sport for you personally?
0: I guess time-wise, you know, as I've gotten older, you start to realize how much it takes to do this and how much you sort of end up missing out on if you really commit yourself to it. Um, I think that it's something that maybe people take for granted because they see the 90 seconds in the arena, how much work goes into it. You know, it's not a nine to five thing. If you have a sick horse, you're there all night. If you want to go to a horse show like Devin, you're driving 46 hours to get there. Um, And I definitely feel like over the years I've missed out on a lot of you know, weddings and birthdays and that sort of thing. So I'm always like, I'm at a horse show or I have to do this. And you know, the nice thing now at Georgie is we have the ability to like set our schedule, um, And then when we're home, you know, have this time where I can go and see my parents for dinner on Sunday, and I'm very close to them now, um, distance-wise, so I can go, you know, for a day off, I can go and spend two nights with them. Um, You know, Georgie, family is very important to her because she has a family as well. So, like, in a week, I'm going to my cousin's wedding for a couple days at our farm, and I'm going to get to see everyone where normally I would have said, even if I didn't have a show, I would have felt like I needed to be in the barn doing something. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really easy to get sort of caught up in everything and feel like you have to constantly be doing something in order to like be successful and get yeah. there um and I don't regret it at all I think I learned so much from spending so much time in the barn and being around it but I think now I've sort of found a balance yeah. which I think is rare but really important to me at this point
1: point. Mm-hmm. and then one more question so you have like a huge social media following and like <laughs> presence how do you think that happened like I honestly have no idea <laughs>
0: I still it's funny I really don't fully understand how Instagram works. <laughs> um, my friend Bethany Unwin helps me a lot with my social media. Like she'll do, um, you know, video editing for me and give me ideas of things to put out there. I definitely go through slumps where I just am like out living life rather yeah. than sort of being on the gram. Yeah. Um, but I think also it's a nice place to, You know so much of it is sunshine and roses and the best parts of everyone sort of thing and i think that it's very unrealistic to have that so i get a lot of messages from people being like it's nice to see how real you are and the fact that you can sort of laugh at yourself and joke and like be relatable and for me I have a lot of people that ask if I have someone that runs my Instagram um, which I don't I do it all myself for better or for worse mm-hmm. but I sort of try and respond to everyone like I have a lot of people I have a couple people that I've met here that we chat all the time on there and I thought oh, we've never awesome. met sort of thing yeah. and they came up and it's like oh I'm you know Shelby and we talk and this and that so it's been really interesting seeing you know the people I've connected with and stuff but I have uh, no idea why <laughs> I have as many people that follow me as I do
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Mavis Spencer, and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Bymeda. Learn more at bymedaus.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, which is released every other Sunday. You'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Practical Horseman on-demand clips. At Practical Horseman On Demand, you can enjoy hundreds of how-to videos and get insider access to exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, and step-by-step tutorials taught by top-level pros in the hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing disciplines. When you tune into the FOD Pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Practical Horseman On Demand subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.